hand this morning, if you would, please. So glad to be with you, see each one of you this morning. It's a blessing. How many of you enjoyed the girls today? Wasn't that great? Amen. Just want to say thanks to the young lady. Shekinah Graham uh, is, her mom is the minister of worship at Old St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church. And Kayla Hallmark is the daughter of Clay Hallmark, who pastors Marion First Baptist, both great churches in our area. And uh, they, along with Abby, sang for the baccalaureate that we had this year, uh, May 16th, the night before Marion High School graduated. So we're excited to kind of get something going in the area again that honors God and gives the, the children, or not children, but the young adults, a, a Christian challenge as they graduate and embark on their lives into the world. Hoping, I think, to involve West Memphis this next year and do a big com combined effort. If you would stand with me, please, today. Uh, just excited to be back in the pulpit. We've been out for a couple of weeks for a wedding two weeks ago and then a, a homegoing celebration, a funeral for Stacy Smith's mom last Sunday. And I want to give uh, a great big thank you, and I'd like you to give him a round of applause. Pastor Jeremy, who's done an awesome job last two weeks. Great. Great contribution. The first week was planned. I knew it was going to be out. The next one, he took it the last minute and said, hey, I'll, I'm, I'm a team player, Pastor. I'll do what you need me to do. I love this guy, and I'm thankful for the fruit of the, the ministry of the Lord in his life and our youth. Um, if you would find uh, one of the screens, it's easy or comfortable for you to read. We're going to look at our text this morning, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Let's read together today. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity together with your people. Thank you for the amazing presence of the Lord uh, in the, the Lord's Supper this morning, your ordinance, Father, to remember your death until you come. Thank you for your presence today in our worship. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and you, you take the shovel and the hoe and the rake and you till and plow our hearts to receive the word of the Lord so that good soil may receive that seed. The seed might penetrate our hearts and that it might produce a crop of good grain. We ask your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and give us understanding, give us perception. Go, open our ears and give us an understanding, Lord, of your word that we might see beyond the surface, that we might capture the spirit of the truth that's being shed, shared this morning. We ask you for this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Um, really, really excited about the Word today and just seeing your faces. Some of you have run into in the, the city this week in different places. And uh, just hugging a few necks and your, your support, your prayer for us while we were out the two weeks uh, is so deeply appreciated. Um, just want to say how much I love the people of God in this place and what I believe is the real work of the Lord going on in lives that is uh, in an indescribable kind of way. Sometimes there are seasons where it, you, you look and you, you wonder what, if anything, is happening. And then all of a sudden something just busts through the ground. We planted a little herb garden just a few days ago and gently watered it. It's in a little ornamental wrought iron type thing holding these eight little clay pots. And Dawn put some oregano in one and some sweet basil in another and some rosemary. And 
we're watering it. And of course, I guess I'm kind of a rough man. I'm standing there and she says, no, 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 just, just, just a little bit. You're going to just wash everything away. And I'm just like, you know. <laughs> and it's been really cool just to kind of watch those little seedlings sprout and break the ground. And I, I, like, I like yard work. Um, it's, it's, you know, some guys don't, some guys do. I love it because I can see some immediate um, result of my work. When, when I personally do a really good job cutting the grass and all the lines are going the right, the same direction, and, and, and the, the weed eater has cooperated with me and I've not thrown it on the ground and used any unnecessary four-letter words, <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real, okay? Uh, like pray and... and <laughs> um, I mean, there's been a time or two when the, when the weed eater has caused me to, to pray, that's for sure, to ask forgiveness for what I said previously. Uh, you know, when all that works together and I've got a straight line and it's edged and the flowers are blooming and the, the shrubs look good and the lights are working like they're supposed to, and, um, it's, it's a great feeling because it's something that I can do and I can see some immediate results. Um, if, if I can share with you for just a moment as a pastor, sometimes one of the personal struggles that I have is that I might spend weeks in counseling a situation and not see anything break to the ground. And because of the brokenness that we all as people deal with. And I'm so thankful that today in what we celebrated when Alex shared in the receiving of the broken body of Jesus and the the, the shared and shed blood of Jesus represented in these elements of, of bread and juice, that, that we have this unmitigated, unqualified, in our sense, it's certainly qualified by God, complete and total acceptance in the beloved and that He loves us and that God Himself sows seed into us and sometimes seed is cast for seasons before something actually penetrates the soil of a heart, and you start to see real transformation. And when I do my yard work, I can work for a couple of hours, and I, I see results, and I like that. I, I, I put a sweat, I put my work into it, and then I can back up. And in a certain sense of the right understanding of the word pride, that is just in terms of being thankful for the gift of God, the property He's given me, the ability that He's given me to see and to enjoy the beauty of nature... I step back and with a good sense of the word pride, I'm thankful, I'm proud of what God has gifted me and given me the ability to do. Sometimes in dealing with people, you don't have that. You don't have that immediate result. It takes time because sometimes seeds germinate over extended periods of time. Sometimes it takes a season for real change to take. Sometimes you have to get in and, and pull and plow and haul into a piece of property in order to be able to get it to become productive. It's that way, I think, with our lives because it's, it's not just the, the joy of a cabinet maker or a woodworker who at the end of the day has produced a beautiful piece of furniture or a set of cabinets and you install them and you step back and look. When you're building lives, sometimes the seasons can be protracted and you can almost occasionally lose a little hope. And your hope has to be in God and your recognition has to be, as the girls sang this morning, in Christ alone. And no fear in life, no fear in death. And the fact that Jesus commands our destiny and He holds our lives in the palm of His hand. And 
He has marked out our steps and the lines, David said, have fallen unto me in pleasant places. I'm thankful that he leads me <laughs> and that he guides me and that in seasons of frustration and, and drought that he knows how to lead me beside some still waters and give me a refreshing drink for my own dry, parched soul, the soil of my heart, the soul of my life. So this morning, I just want to tell you in this message about pulling, plowing, and hauling, that that's something that we have to do all of our lives. There is not, there is not one great, big, huge pre-emerge that you can put on before weed season that prevents all weeds from coming up. There's not a Holy Ghost roundup that you can go spray that one time will kill all the weeds that will ever prevent you from having to go back to your own garden and pull up some weeds that are growing in the place where God wants some fruit to be produced. I've uh, been looking forward to this message because this is the teaching of Jesus on the kingdom of God. And His life and ministry had a central theme. He dealt with one particular idea. And I want to look at a couple of verses of Scripture this morning from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And as they put those up, if you would just read along with me. You don't have to read out loud because we're going to look at about 20 verses this morning. It's like a cluster of grapes. I'm going to take them and we're going to wring it out, squeeze it, and get all the juice out of this section of Scripture that we possibly can. Okay? So, and he began to teach. Everybody say teach. He began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So get the picture here in your mind. Jesus most likely is sitting in Peter's boat. Crowd is gathered on the plain. And I believe this passage is connected to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Luke about the same region where in, the, in Matthew it's called the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke it's called the Sermon on the Plain. And it just so happens that is not contradictory at all. I have been there at that location in Israel and stood and observed where there is a mountain and there is this great big plain that just sort of gently slopes off of that large hill. I don't know that I would call it a mountain in that place, but it is a large hill a mountain. And so one gospel calls it the Sermon on the Mount. The other one calls it the Sermon on the Plain. It's the same thing. It's the same message, same content. Jesus is teaching them many things in parables and in his teaching he says to them. Here we go. This is Jesus' ministry. He is particularly concerned with one singular focus. He is talking to the people about a central theme. This central theme is his proclamation of the power and the present reality of the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom is the message that Jesus started with, Mark chapter 1, early on. He shows up and he says, uh, the time is at hand. It's now. It's fulfilled. It's not one of these days any longer. It's here. It's right in front of you. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. His whole message is swirling around this torrent this tornadic truth of the kingdom of God, that God reigns in the lives of people. Now, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your heart, Luke 17, 21 says the kingdom of God is within you. It's on the inside of you. Matthew 6, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. The context talks about the things that we worry about. Shelter, something to cover us. Food, something to eat. Clothing, something to surround us to protect us from the elements. 
Jesus says, all of these things that concern you and every man and woman on the planet, he says, if you'll put priority, make the kingdom of God your first choice, your first focus, your, the centrality of your heart, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these other things, shelter, something over you, food, something to eat, clothing, something to wear. He says, they will come to you as a matter of course. All of these things shall be added unto you, is what the King James says. Jesus is doing three action words, preaching, teaching, healing. Mark is a man's gospel. It is written like a screenplay. It's, it's a movie where immediately this happens and then they're across the sea and the storm comes up and then Jesus heals and it says immediately and she was lifted up and raised up from the dead and immediately, immediately, immediately comes over and over and over and over and over in the gospel of Mark. And so it's a, war, it's a book about action. It's a book about what Jesus does. The gospel focuses so much more on his actions and what he does necessarily than what he teaches. And so in this moment of this section, Jesus begins to open up some ideas concerning the kingdom of God. And he's teaching three action words. He's going everywhere. He's preaching. He's standing here. He's teaching. He's stopping and demonstrating the power of his preaching and teaching because what set his apart from the Pharisees' message was that Jesus had a message that worked. It was demonstrable. It had tangible power that could destroy strongholds of the enemy, that could heal sick folks, that could raise people from the dead, that could open blind eyes, that could set captives free. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all of those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Healing is not just a physical manifestation of a natural symptom in the body of sickness. In this instance of healing, Jesus is healing people who are oppressed by the devil, who are under the power of Satan. So he's setting captives free. He's opening blind eyes. He's healing lepers. All of these things are centered around this whole focus that wherever the kingdom comes, it sets people free. And so Jesus is preaching and he looks at these people and he says, you know what, this whole thing... I want to bring to you some understanding. And he goes on to say that he's teaching them in parables is what the, the Gospel of Mark says. Everybody say parable. Okay? A parable. Jesus is using parables. And a parable, very simply, is a natural story with a spiritual meaning. Say that with me. A parable is a natural story with a spiritual meaning. Let's see, all get it together. Here we go. A parable is a natural story with a spiritual meaning. It's the Greek word parabolos. And if any of you are interested, that's exactly what the Greek looks like right there. Parabolos. Para, meaning alongside. Like a parachurch ministry comes alongside the local church. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is a paraclete. He's called alongside. Everybody say alongside. So something that is para is alongside you, okay? A, this parabolas, balas is like the, the idea of a ball that you throw or that you hurl. And so a parable is casting alongside. It's doing what Jesus could do like nobody else. He stood in front of fishermen and he preached about nets and a catch. He stood in front of farmers and he talked about seeds and a harvest. He, he, he stood with shepherds and he talked about sheep and goats. 
Jesus was a master teacher and had the ability to take a natural story and impart a spiritual meaning, some spiritual truth. He would cast the natural story and alongside it would come the understanding with the opening of the eyes of the people by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why he used parables. And we'll read that in a moment as we get into the second, uh, I think actually the little third section. And we'll talk about that. But a parable is a natural story with a spiritual meaning and it means to cast alongside. So Jesus is using parables, these little stories that really affect the people on a very natural, very real basis on a daily, uh, daily life experience. So let's look to the next section this morning. Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 9. This is what Jesus says. Listen, listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed, everybody say seed, Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, get this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what I want you to hear this morning is that very obviously you see in this parable, this natural story with a spiritual meaning, Jesus is talking about four different kinds of soil. Okay? He calls them the path rocky soil, thorny soil, and good soil. Now, I'm going to superimpose this idea of the path being hard soil, okay? The path is the, the, the perimeter around the property, maybe a, literally a path through the middle of it, where the farmer is walking, where his equipment wheels are rolling. If he has a wheelbarrow or he's pulling a wagon by an ox or a, a mule, then the tracks of the wagon are creating a hard path. I have a path around the edge of my house where my 100-pound yellow lab runs. And he takes that same path when he circles the house. Pardon me. And it's killed the grass. And so I, I think I'm actually going to go in and dig that out and put in some little small chat and kind of uh, put a border around it with some large river rock or maybe some Arkansas field stone and just have a little path to walk on because it looks kind of bad. I mean, the grass has all died and Buddy just makes his run on a regular basis on the perimeter around the house. And there are so many stories I could tell you about Buddy today and I'm not going to go into Buddy's stories. It's supposed to be Drew's dog and we've inherited the dog and so he's, he's our dog and he's really Abby's dog. He's crazy about Abby. Uh, but, at, but Abby, a buddy has made a path and he's killed the grass. So it's a hard soil area where I could go along and I could bring anything I wanted to. Any of those nice little pretty seeds that we had bought to, to start the herb garden, I could go along and sprinkle those all I wanted to and they're not going to do anything. Any more than if I took corn kernels and dumped them out on the platform up here this morning. They would just lay there until they got swept up. Nothing's going to grow. But though the seed has tremendous power and capability... And nothing better characterizes a seed than the word potential. Because in every apple, 
Somebody says one time, you may be able to count the seeds in an apple, but you can never be able to count the number of trees in an apple seed. Because everything God has made, He's put this multiplication principle into it. Genesis 1 gives us the concept of the law of sowing and reaping, that every seed multiplies and reproduces after its own kind. Like the country preacher said one time, you don't plant maters and get taters. Every seed grows after its own kind. Birds have birds. Dogs have dogs. Cats have kittens. People have little babies. Okay? Everything has a seed. The seed is marked and encoded with some DNA. And, but what really makes a difference in the natural seed that we're talking about here in this agricultural parable that Jesus is giving really is the soil that really makes such an amazing, huge difference. Is it along the path, the hard soil? Is it in rocky soil? Is it in thorny soil? Is it in good soil? Now, I just want to pull a step ahead and look in your notes because the soil condition is indicative of your soul condition. Everybody say soil, soil. soul. And it's really interesting. The, the, the difference between the two is the I and the you. You'll catch that in a minute because the soil of the earth is very much compared to the soul of our hearts. And this is God's soil. This now is God's soul. It belongs to Him. I love the line that they sang, the girls sang in Christ alone, I am His and He is mine. And it's bought by the blood of Christ. I'll stand. I am His and He is mine. This is his soil. This is God's field. It belongs to Him. Now, even though it's God's field and He holds the title deed to this property, He bought it with blood. The precious blood. Not with gold and silver has it been redeemed, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This soil still has the capacity and the potential to grow things that it really is not made to grow. It can grow thorns and thistles and weeds. Or it can grow the good stuff. And as a leader, I just want to tell you, the only thing that sets me apart and makes me different, because my soil is the same as your soil, and in the very same way that people look at shepherds differently than they do sheep, every shepherd is a sheep himself before he is a shepherd. And we have to recognize and remember that, that there's not something uh, in one sense that sets us above or apart and makes us special in any kind of way. We have to protect and guard and be diligent to know the state of our own heart in the very same way that I'm to be diligent and know the state of the flocks. In the very same way that I'm to be diligent and be aware of my, 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 my farm. I, I got to know what's going on in the soil of my farm. A every good farmer is going to be looking around and inspecting and checking up and down the rows and he's going to be seeing if there needs to be some cultivation and he needs to get some workers in there and maybe put some hose in their hands and start you know, dealing with some weeds that are growing up because when weeds start to grow, they choke out the good produce and the, and the good grain that's supposed to be being reproduced. And every farmer is going to walk around and investigate his field and he's got some tools and some materials and things that, that he hauls around. And he hauls his rake and Patrick, help me with that. Bring it with me. Follow me, all right? <laughs> And he's got his wheelbarrow and he's, he's pulling and he's plowing and he's hauling and he's dealing with the state of the property that's been given to him. And he's usually thankful that he's got a helper named Patrick that helps him out. Thank you, my brother. That little wheelbarrow. Somebody came in this morning and said, 
uh, and our usher team is always so great about making sure everything is right. And they said, what's the wheelbarrow doing here? Let's get, let's get rid of it. Pastor Michael will be upset. And then they found out, no, that's part of his message. Don't mess with the wheelbarrow. <laughs> you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm out in soil and I take this wheelbarrow around and I'm on a path where I always regularly go, it's going to harden that path. The very same property that I own will probably have uh, a section of some good soil that's been tilled and that's been prepared all soil, no matter how hard you try, regularly has to have weeds pulled out of it. As I was saying a moment ago when I went to get the wheelbarrow to set this up, the only thing that really differentiates me as a leader and anyone else in the room is that as a leader, it is expected of me that I have begun to be consistent in pulling and plowing and hauling on the ground that God has given me a stewardship over, which is my own heart. The scripture says... Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You can plant seeds and this soil will grow all kinds of stuff. Even though God owns the title deed to this property, it can still grow some stuff that's not good, that's not healthy. may even be illegal, improper, unethical, immoral. It can still grow all kinds of, of things because a thought can get planted like a seed and if I don't deal with it at the thought level and cut it off at the root before it grows up and produces fruit, then I can ruin my life, my testimony, my marriage, my reputation, the ministry that God's put as a, into my hands as a steward. All those things are critical. I have to be about the business of pulling weeds, plowing rock, hauling that stuff off and letting the Holy Spirit continuously prepare the soil of my heart. Come on, somebody, can I have an amen? And as you grow, as you mature, that's what this is about. It's about learning how to deal with the soil condition in your ground, with the soul condition in your heart. Are you getting anything out of this? Produce is built into the seed, but the determiner is the soil. The seed is encoded. It will produce what it has been divinely marked to produce. It has the stamp of God in its own DNA. Every living thing is stamped with some DNA and it will reproduce after its own kind. Now, look at the next section here. Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, the parabolas, these natural stories with spiritual truth, spiritual meaning. This is what he said. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Everybody say secret. It's the Greek word musterion. We get the English word mystery from it. You've been, have, have given the, the gift of the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's been brought to your understanding. This is clear for you to see. But he says, for those outside, everything is in parables. I'm preaching a natural story, teaching a natural idea and casting alongside it a spiritual truth so that those whom God has intended to open their eyes by the presence of the Holy Spirit, their eyes will be opened. But others, they're just going to hear it and think I'm just talking about seeds in a crop. This is what he says. He says, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. So Jesus teaches this in such a way that it is absolutely so simple 
But it's not that simple really either because it's only if you have eyes to see beyond the shallow understanding of the natural story. And you can see with some depth perception into what he's talking about. Make the soil-soul connection that the seed of God in your hearts brings transformation. Obstacles in your own life, thorns, rocks in the ground, hardened paths, walls of defense mechanisms of anger and bitterness and things that have happened to us over which we did not choose. And we've overreacted and we've hardened our hearts and ourselves so that the very seed of God's Word sometimes doesn't penetrate those hardened paths, those ways that we travel on a regular, consistent, daily basis. And those are the very places sometimes that need to have the tiller of the Word applied to them so that they can continue to grow some nice grass to walk on and not just a hard, hardened dirt path, dirt road. Seeing without perceiving, they're hearing without understanding. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made them both. Now we're not just talking about the faculty or the ability to naturally see light and images or the natural ability to hear sound. It was Helen Keller who said, asked the question by a reporter one day, just really almost a little bit curt, a little too frank. She said, it just must be so awful to not be able to see. And Helen Keller responded and said it this way, a very famous blind lady who went on to be a great leader in our nation several decades in the past. And she said, yes, it is a hindrance to not have the ability to see, but much greater to have sight without any vision. And so we're talking about something beyond the natural faculty. Jesus' most repeated statement was, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus opened His mouth, the one thing that He said more times than anything else, do you figure maybe that's a pretty important statement that we should stop and analyze and think about a little bit? He said this thing one more times than He said anything else. He said it in every one of the Gospels. He said it repeatedly in the book of Revelation when He's addressing the seven churches in Asia. He says, To him that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Now, I don't know about you, but every human being I have ever met, 99.99999% of them have all had some flesh on the side of their heads, these appendages that we call ears. Now, forgive me for being just so pedantic here in teaching, just so kindergartenish, but you got to get this. Jesus is not just talking about whether or not you've got flapping flesh on the side of your head. Everybody out there's got that. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What is he saying? He's talking about not just this thing hanging on the side of your head, but he's talking about once you hear that, is there, is there an ear inside you? As a matter of fact, I want you to look at me right now. And everybody, come on, all you good spellers, let's spell the word heart. H-E-A-R-T. Take off the first letter H and take off the last letter T. And what's in the middle of your heart? There's an ear. You hear spiritually with your heart. There's an ear inside your heart. God wants to tap into your heart's ability to hear His voice. I'm speaking this morning, but there's a voice within a voice. And the sower is sowing the Word. And Jesus is declaring something into your life today. And He's sowing and He's scattering seed. And it's going all over the place. It's going into some hardened paths, into some rocky soil, into some thorny soil, and into some good soil. This morning... As we look at this, 
I want you to see and recognize that spiritual perception and understanding is a gracious gift of God. It's a gift. It's an ability. Thank you, Jesus. The, the Bible says in the minor prophet, in the Old Testament, it says there will come a famine in the last days for the hearing of the words of the Lord. It didn't say there would be a famine for the words. We're not going to have a famine where there's, there is, you know, the, the Word of God right now is being broadcasted by every available means possible by the spoken, the speaking of my mouth this morning, you're hearing it, it's on the internet, it's being printed on the page, printing press, it's being tweeted, it's been Facebooked, everything, that, it's going on shortwave, it's going all around the world, circling the globe over and over and over and over. The Word of God is plastering the planet, but what the prophet said that there would be a famine for the hearing of the words of the Lord. Word of God is going forth. But do we have ears to hear it? Are we hearing the word? The spiritual perception, the spiritual ability, understanding is a gracious gift of God. And if I can thank Him for nothing else, I can say, thank you, Jesus, that I have some ability to hear your voice and that you can penetrate my heart, God, and you can do a work and you can change my life. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, look at verses 13 through 20. I hope you're getting something out of this. I want to wrap it up. This is what Jesus says. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? I want to hold that in our mind. The sower sows the word. Who is the sower? Say his name. Jesus. Jesus. So the word then is the word of the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And let's just get this quickly. Here we go. These are the ones, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Now, what Jesus has just done right here is amazing. He's taught a parable to the crowd. He's sitting down with the twelve and the few that are around him, and they ask him, What's up with the parables? And he explains why he's using these natural stories with spiritual meaning. And he says, guys, some people can see and some people can't. Some people can hear, some people can't. We're not talking about natural ability either. He says, I want you to understand this parable is a key to understanding the other parables. Say that with me. This parable, say it out loud. This parable is a key to understanding the other parables. All the parables of the kingdom of God talk about the present reality. They say, Jesus, they say the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a woman who lost a coin and, and she swept her house until she found it. The kingdom of God is like, and it's always comparing it, but it's always a present tense. The kingdom of God is. It's not one of these days, it's not way off in the future. Jesus came declaring, the time is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It's been available to us now for 2,000 years. Jesus came and inaugurated it, set it into being. It's not just one of these days for the future, for 
geographical, natural Israel. It is for the whole planet. Kingdom of God, His dominion is everlasting. The kingdom is from everlasting to everlasting. It is the composite, the summation of all the rule of God throughout history. He's on the throne. He's sovereign, as Abby said this morning. He's reigning in your life and in His hand He holds the destiny of your life. This morning we recognize that if I can understand this parable, then I can unlock the other parables of the kingdom of God. They start to make some sense to me. So I've got to really dig in and go, okay, Jesus, what are you talking about here in this sower and all of these different kinds of soils? Every one of you that have been in church for a little bit of time have probably heard somebody teach or preach on this passage in Mark 4 or the same thing in Matthew 13 that deal with the sower sowing the word and the different kinds of soils. And you've probably heard them say that every one of these different kinds of soils are different kinds of people. And I think that that is a legitimate interpretation. Different kinds of soil equals different kinds of people. That means that there are people that are generally hardened because of circumstances they didn't choose. Victim situations that were perpetrated upon them. Probably everybody in the room has some kind of an experience that you could describe in that kind of way where something was done to you or done against you or to harm you in some sort of way or said about you or abuse in some circumstance or uh, stolen from you or, or wounded you. Everybody in the room can talk about that, but some have been so much so that their lives are characterized by the defensiveness and the hardness and the, the walls of protection and maybe some anger and some bitterness personal frustration and disappointment that hardens us to be able to trust others. So we can like it. And I'm not going to take the time to go through all of these. Uh, there is some, there's some rocky paths, some rocky areas in all of our lives that, that we can get excited about something and we don't follow through. We make a commitment and, you know, when the sun comes up and the tribulation comes where I really got to follow through, that's where it's really challenged when I made my commitment. When I made my promise, when I said, I'll be there, I'll do this, uh, you can count on me. But then the, 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 the challenge of life hits and the deadlines are, are just literally looming over me and, and I'm tired and I didn't sleep good the, for the last week and I'm sick and I don't feel like it. And, and, and it's just those things sometimes that play out because we're, we're a mile wide but we're an inch deep in that area of our lives and commitment because there's something down on the inside of us that seems to be hindering real root growth, real stability in the foundation of our lives. And if I could stop and just show you this, this is something that I picked up in Hardy, Arkansas, and I used it for a shelf in my pond where I would put plants. When it says rocky soil, we're talking about something like this. We're not talking about little hand pebbles, but we're talking about a piece of table rock that you might not even see it. It, it, it can be a layer of bedrock that's six inches below the soil in a section of your property and you go out there and you notice that when you plant things, man, they spring up in a hurry and they flourish with a lot of foliage and they look good and as long as it's raining every day, man, these plants are doing great. But you let a little bit of tribulation or persecution come. A little bit of a challenge and these plants just sort of lose their watsy and they wither and lay over and you don't ever see any fruit produced and sometimes you don't know why until you begin to put the plow blade down into the ground of that soil on your property, down into that section of your heart, and you start to realize 
It looked good. It was smooth, moist soil. But when you really began to dig deep, you found out there was a layer of something that was preventing roots from growing down to any real sense of depth. And you have to have some depth in your life, depth that digs down with a taproot. Sometimes rain's not coming from this way and you've got to get some moisture going this way. Sometimes I can't get any encouragement from out here and I've got to, I've got to take a bucket and send it on down into my own well. Come on, help me preach a little bit this morning. I've got to take a taproot and drive it further down into the ground so that I can hit a deposit of some Holy Ghost water to get some refreshing in my life. And I've got to settle down a little bit. Yeah, I hadn't preached in two weeks. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we don't have a root structure, we don't have anything to support our lives when tribulation comes, when a challenge comes and things that aren't going the way we think they ought to go. And how many of you know that spells life? We make plans and life happens. And this is what I want you to see and understand this morning. It's not just two different kinds of people. There are two ways to look at this. It's not just different kinds of soil, different kinds of people for. And we can do that. That does apply. There are folks that really can be characterized by a thorny lifestyle. They are just possessed with the desire for other things and the deceitfulness of wealth and the cares of this world. They're consumed with it. But I guarantee you somewhere in that person's heart, there's some soil that's a good place where God can drop a seed and can totally change the whole character of that individual. Now, rather than sitting here thinking today and characterizing, well, that person is a hard path. That person's definitely thorny ground. That person is definitely rocky soil. And I know I'm good soil. Instead of thinking like that, what if we realize that every one of us is the field of the Lord? And there's a hard path in my own heart somewhere. There's some rocky ground that needs to be plowed and hauled away. There's some thorns that I need to personally regularly pull. No matter how hard I try. No matter how, how much Holy Ghost Roundup I try to spray on my own garden. I've still got to pull some weeds from it. Because those weeds have an ability to get in there and just find a place and move stuff around. Have you ever seen the power that's in a seed? I remember growing up walking to school at Bragg Elementary, living at 300 South Center, and there was a little seed that wedged its way into a crack in a sidewalk. And I watched that seed as it grew become a tree and moved a slab of concrete out of the way. A seed has the ability to crack the side of a mountain. If it can just find a little bit of soil and can continue to send a root down into something. Come on, hear what I'm saying this morning. You might feel like your life is beyond repair. But if there's a crack that God can get into with the seed of His Word, He can move the slab of concrete and every kind of bondage out of the way from your life. And He can bring freedom and liberty and set you free. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I love it. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the Word of God. The seed is encoded with DNA to reproduce after its own kind. Got, got a couple blanks here, and then I'm going to wrap this up. As a new creation believer, you were born again by the seed of God's Word. Everybody say, I am born by the seed of God's Word. Now, I'm not going to take time to quote all those. I'm, I, I know them, but I'm just going to give you the middle one because I'm a little bit over. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Something on the inside of you, if you're a born again believer, if Jesus has come into your heart, there's a seed in there that can't die. 
and it's going to ultimately change you and fill up your whole garden with the fruit of the nature of God. That's the intention of the Lord. It's to produce the image of Christ inside of you. And like a little seed that can penetrate a sidewalk and move a whole slab of concrete, the seed of Christ has that same ability to change the mess in your life until it becomes a message. Come on, somebody put your hands together and give the Lord praise. This is why it's important. This is why we sing and praise before we preach the word because the Bible says Judah shall plow. Who knows what Judah means? Judah means praise. Judah plows the ground of our hearts. It prepares the soil of our souls. It gets us ready to receive the seed of the word of the Lord. We come in here with our hard areas, our frustration, our anger, our resentment, our bitterness, our disappointments. We come in here and when I'm able to get my mind off of myself and onto my amazing Savior and I look up instead of looking out at all of my problems and I look up, I lift up my head for my redemption draws nigh and I begin to see Him high and lifted up and He starts changing me, the Bible says, as I behold Him. He lifts me up and He starts to prepare the soil. He takes out the tiller, the hoe of the Holy Ghost and He starts digging through the hard places of my heart, getting my soul ready to receive the powerful seed of the Word of the Lord. I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. Hallelujah. That's why it's important that you don't just, well, we'll just go late and catch the word. Be here. Show up for the worship. Come expecting. Come ready to lift your hands and your hearts and to sing and to worship God because something mysterious, a secret, a mysterion, a secret of the kingdom of God happens. God brings out the plow and He plows your heart and He gets you ready in the worship to receive the seed during the time of the word when it's proclaimed. I believe that. Look at our own hearts, obstacles, paths. We have the challenge of the enemy and the hard parts of our lives because the seed just hits the hard ground and the Satan comes to steal the word. Satan is the original abortionist. He steals, kills, and destroys. He wants to abort the seed of God from your life. That's why it's important that the seed get into the soil, the good soil, and it starts to grow. It becomes a healthy plant, sending down roots, sending up shoots. Okay? The rocky, there's no depth, there's no endurance, there's no root. Tribulation, persecution comes because of the Word. Some of the stuff you guys have dealt with this week isn't because you're having a streak of bad luck. The enemy of your soul is trying to rob the soil of your heart of the Word of God. You've heard the word that Pastor Jeremy preached last week about the nature of the kingdom of Satan and he's doing everything he can to come steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob. He wants to tempt. He wants to accuse. He wants to deceive. And he's coming because of the word and you've got to keep your heart right. How can I do it? Prayer, daily time, seeking the face of God. Turn on, you know, enjoy the, the music. There's some great music in the world, but once in a while flip over there and get something that's going to feed your soul. It's going to minister to you, get you in the presence of God, aware of the presence of the Lord in your life. Worship, time in the Word, fellowshipping with other Christians, my personal prayer time. Those are my pulling, plowing, hauling seasons. That's when I get the hoe out. Some of, come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Any of you ever feel like the Holy Ghost is using one of these on you? <laughs> feel like he's raking through the soil. I'm not going to let that touch the carpet. Now, Michael Rushing, who carpeted this was in the first service and I almost put it down and I, I saw him go 
so I'm not going to scrape the carpet, but some of you know what it's like to have the Spirit of God start moving around and raking some stuff around in your heart. And thank God that He cares enough for us to do that, to prepare the soil of our hearts to receive the Word. Put your hands together and give Him praise. One thought and I'm finished. I love things. I like things as much as anybody else does. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, the idea that I can get enough of it so that I don't have to bother God with any of my issues, I don't think the Lord's ever going to let any of us have that much of anything. I think there's always an awareness of how much we need Him. And wealth is deceitful. It can start to make you think that you don't need anything. You don't need God. The lust for other things, the desires for other things. I like things. But you know what? Every one of us, if we're really true, if, if we're true in this moment as we close this service today, every one of us, every drawer in our house is packed to the point that we have to push stuff down to get the drawer open. Closets are bulging. Garages are full. Attics, there's no more room. Some of us are renting storage rooms to hold more stuff because we can't get all of our stuff in our house and in our outbuildings. And we're working harder so that we can go buy more, so that we can store more and have more. And more doesn't make us happy unless it's more of Jesus. All the lust for other things. Isn't it crazy how in America we've bought into the lie of newer is better and bigger is better? And it's great until the new wears off a couple weeks, a couple months after you've had it. You get the first scratch on the new car. You know, then, then you just, once you've gotten the first scratch on the new car and you couple little things, you know, that a ding here or there, you know, you just don't even care anymore. You go through McDonald's and just squirt the ketchup out on the seat and dip your fries in it right there, you know. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> All of this stuff is just crowding us, crowding our hearts. And I, I want to wrap this up this morning. Thank you. I've so enjoyed being back with you today. This, I've preached and I've preached to my own heart today. I, I have struggles just like you do, and the thing that makes me a leader isn't that I'm any better than. It's just maybe I've become a little more consistent in daily pulling, plowing, and hauling. Because weed seeds land in my heart just like they do yours. And this soil belongs to God. He owns the title deed on this piece of property right here, but this soil will grow bad seed just like anybody else's soil will. And I've got to weed it. I've got to weed my mind. I've got to take care of it. I've got to tend the garden. Abby called the other night. Dawn's on the couch in the bedroom reading something on Kindle on her iPad. I'm propped up with a pillow in the bed and we're watching TV in the bedroom. And Abby calls and says, uh, I'd like to come in, but I can't get in the door because there's a snake out here. And Buddy'd been in the garage just barking like an idiot. And I went to the door, what are you barking at? Well, I can't see anything. Well, there was about a 30-inch water moccasin right outside the garage door and Abby she walks up and she steps back and says I can't get in the garage because there's a snake and so Dawn and I both get up figuring it's just going to be a little garden snake and the only thing available to me is a big hard shell kind of a broom thing and so I grabbed the broom and held the snake down tell it Abby she's doing it I'm beating the snake and nothing's happening and I said I'm going to hold it down get the hoe Dawn <laughs> so I've got the snake. I have caught it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I don't like them. Any of you natural outdoorsmen? I remember I was living on Carlisle here a few years ago, and there's a little snake about this long garden snake, and the guy across the street said, Don't kill it. I said, Two ladies dead. 
<laughs> Only snake, a good snake is a dead one. So I'm hitting this one with the broom, holding it down. Dawn gets the shovel. I said, I'll hold it. And I've got him. She cracks that head right there. We cut off his power once the head was cut off. No ability to react, no ability to know the surroundings, no ability to strike. The power to harm was in the head. Jesus did an unhealable job. Satan can't be healed. He completely destroyed him at Calvary. <laughs> Cut the head off the serpent. And I want to say to you this morning, I don't know where you are, don't know what circumstances you've been facing, but I believe there's something in this message for every person in this room. And as we close the message, and I know I'm just a little bit over today, but I believe the Spirit of God has moved and worked in some hearts. I believe the sower has been actively sowing and working. I want you to take this closing moment and bow your heads with me, please, right now.